Hello, listeners. You are about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I am what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, Episode 12. Alex, we are officially through the Mickey Mouse 60-game season, if you would say, in 2021. Yeah, we are. 60 games already played, uh, and standings have been very interesting so far. Some teams are ice cold. Some teams are burning up. I'd like to start and ask you a question, though. You know, your skin looks like it's, it's been pretty burned up. Well, what would you do this weekend? Oh, interesting you bring that up, Travis. I actually, I spent a, a nice Saturday uh, morning and afternoon in Palm Desert, California, hitting the links, Travis, and I think uh, I think you were there with me. I think we uh, we had a little 18-hole uh, extravaganza. That's right, that's weekend. right, that's right. Have you have you ever golfed before? This was my first time playing 18 holes, Okay. Uh, and, okay. and it was a great experience. I will also add that we got to hit the driving range, Travis. We had that's a lot true. of... Uh, shanks that went into some people's uh, front yards backyards so yeah. we will have to kind of correct that um but until then you know we got to just keep keep the grind up keep the grind up we'll get there the practice up no you're right first time for me as well uh it was it was pretty bad if you're looking at pro level but you know what i'm i'm, I'm not for some first timers you know yeah we no, had exactly. some we had some solid bogeys and you know we got the job done so exactly exactly had a good time drink some beers on the range you know it's funny how in the hot sun Beer just tastes like water. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little scary if you think about that. But uh, what do we got on slate today for uh, this episode? As we kind of head into the middle of June, we're about a month away from the All Star break. We have one month left for the first half. What do we have on slate today? Yeah, so you know a, a handful of topics are kind of coming up, Travis. Uh, we'll kind of you know cover a grab bag full of things, but uh, one big ticket item that has to be discussed today is how the pitchers are responding to the new. Uh, I guess, sticky substance uh, legislation okay. slash like how it's being regulated. That has to be covered. Uh, it's affecting some pitchers more than others, and we'll dig uh, we'll dig deep into that. Also, Travis, we have to talk about uh, what the Angels are doing right now. Obviously, our team is super red hot, and we're going to spend a good amount of time talking about why we think that is. I'm excited what, for that. What we think it means for the future of, of their season, knowing that Mike Trout will come back hopefully in the next month um maybe two months at most hopefully so we'll see how that goes um we'll cover a few more things too like uh maybe an interesting conversation about how uh we view this current wave of cheating and how maybe uh it, we can kind of put it into some historical perspective knowing how past pitchers have used pine tar maybe and you know just have a little talk about you know how we view cheating in today's game and uh and i guess what we think it means going forward for the rest of the season and for the future of baseball so I guess we'll start off with the pitching, Travis. We should honestly park ourselves here at uh, looking at how some of these pitchers have been affected by the regulation of sticky substance use. Because, Travis, as of a couple months ago, even a month ago, this stuff, we knew it was happening, but it was no problem. It wasn't being policed. We saw a crazy amount of no-hitters. We saw so many one-hit games. Batting averages were at a historic low 
And it was really bad. And, you know, you combine the sticky substance with guys swinging for the fences and made for some seriously low-scoring games in a lot of instances. And now, all of a sudden, some of the best pitchers in baseball, Travis, have had some rough outings. I'm talking about Trevor Bauer. I'm talking about Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns. I think today, Shane Bieber actually only got eight strikeouts, which which is for him, that's that's below average, even though for an average pitcher, yeah. they may like that. Yeah, he's a teen guy. But yeah, right. He's always getting double-digit strikeouts and starts. And I think he allowed maybe, uh, I think, five runs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so rough outing for him. So Travis, what do you make of, like I guess, the way that pitchers are, uh, I guess, kind of not crumbling, but, you know, it's, we're really kind of seeing like this stuff made a difference for them, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's you know, starting out the season, they, I think, you know, they're probably using this stuff as the, as past season, seasons have gone. And so, you know, it's something new to them now. They're, you know, taking things away that they've been using for the past two years, if not more. Um, don't really know that too much on the, uh, you know, description on how many, you know, years or seasons they've been using this kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, pretty much it's it's almost like, you know, they had the answers to the test and the answers have been taken away and they're yeah. kind of like, well, what do I got to do now? Because this is how I built my career. A guy like Shane Bieber made his, um, pretty much made his career starting in 2019 was the All-Star Game MVP in Cleveland. So he kind of got burst onto the scene yeah. right there. I know he was a five, like a top five uh, Cy Young finisher yep. for the AL that year. Yep. And, 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 He's still one of the most talented pitchers in baseball, right? Yes. But he we're is. seeing the whole sea level kind of rise a bit where all these pitchers, their ERAs are going to slowly start creeping up. We can only imagine, right, going exactly, forward. Exactly, exactly. So we're going to start seeing that. Uh, but then, yeah, last year, Shane Bieber was unbelievable with the strikeouts and the wins and the ERA for the Cleveland Indians. He really put that team into the playoffs that year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we're going to see – we've already seen Garrett Cole, a guy that's been so prestigious the last three seasons, if not more – uh, going back to his Pittsburgh Pirate days, he actually had a start in the past couple of weeks where it was it was just completely ungarrett cold. Just, just not yeah, not what we're used to seeing by any stretch, right? Completely agree with that. So what we'll see, I think, a, a big kind of trend where we'll see a lot of pitchers almost spike up, and it's gonna be interesting to see. You know, is it a coincidence? Maybe they're just having a couple bad starts, or is this something yeah, that maybe maybe that, they'll have to get used to the lack of the sticky stuff. Maybe they'll sort of make the adjustments and yeah, maybe we can see yeah. their averages uh their eras going uh, lower again but we'll have to see because as of right now it was a kind of a drastic difference i would say after the whole cardinals incident that happened about two weeks ago with right. the sticky sevens you went over it uh sunscreen and rosin bag making kind of a sticky sevens that you could use to get better grip on the baseball we've seen a lot of pitchers now be kind of on the you know lookout for oh no like is this going to be kind of treated like the steroid era am i going to be put punished with you know a some of number of game suspension we saw garrett cole in one of the press conferences he was like he had a 10 second pause and he was very kind of just like he didn't know how to answer the question when the reporter asked have you ever used you know illegal foreign substances and he really didn't know how to answer it i think most people would agree that he probably was saying he probably want to say yes truthfully but right. you know he doesn't want to just come out to the media and be and just be truthfully honest like that. right you don't want to admit to cheating when you feel like all my peers are cheating. The exactly. whole, the, like you use the I said the example of like a a, t- a classroom who knew the answers to the test, or like maybe they brought in their study guides and the teachers took them all away. So it's like, you know, if the whole class, you know, was cheating, but they were all doing it, it kind of felt like okay, well, uh, Garrett Cole doesn't feel like oh, like I'm like this bad guy, so I don't want to fess up to it because yep. you know we were all doing it. But yeah, uh, Charles, I think one of the most interesting aspects of the whole situation is that. One of the first uh, outings after this whole scandal, uh, Garrett Cole, or sorry, Jacob DeGrom was seen like adjusting his belt buckle and 
all his teammates came out and said like he is not that is not a sticky substance thing Jacob deGrom is the one guy who does not do it and all his teammates came and backed them up and some people on Twitter were saying you know what like there's no way like he's the absolute best he has to be doing it like all you all you all your teammates coming to back you up they're just trying to be like your homie but we know you do it he comes out on Friday and throws six innings of no earned runs one hit baseball and there was no big dip in his spin rates on all his pitches across the board he was just kind of doing what he always does and the mile the miles per hour there he's always throwing triple digits on the fastball and the slider was fast as always um Meanwhile, we're seeing guys like Cole, guys like Bieber, guys like Corbin Burns, uh, I believe even Max Scherzer. We're seeing like these, uh, I guess, advanced advanced like stat cast uh, spin rate stats. They all drop by like a few hundred miles or uh, rotations per minute, right? And so the fact that Jacob deGrom did not have this big drop off, that tells me that I think this whole time he may have just been this good, Travis. And I think if he can you know, stay at this level that he's at with everyone else kind of regressing without the sticky stuff. It only means so it means so much more for his historical, I guess, place in this era of baseball. What do you kind of make of of how DeGrom is kind of uh, seems like he's rising through this whole uh, dilemma and like shining through? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because De- Jacob DeGrom, he is he is a man playing with children. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like it's like I mean, the past couple seasons, he only gets better and better since we've you know last seen the last three starts of Jacob DeGrom. May 31st, he had a .71 ERA. That's kind of when the whole timeline started with pitchers, you know, being recognized for, are they cheating? Do they have a foreign substance? Ever since then, his last two starts, his ERA has gone down. He had a .71 on May 31st, June 5th, uh, against the San Diego Padres. The San Diego Padres. Right, great One of the offense. best offenses in Major League Baseball yeah. right now. The freak of the decade so far in Fernando Tatis Jr. playing on the Padres. He went seven innings, three hits, only one walk, and 11 strikeouts at Petco Park. His ERA dropped to .62. He then faced the San Diego Padres in his next start. I mean, not many pitchers would probably like to say, I got to face the Padres in back-to-back starts. Right, and and just to add to that, Travis, like when you're facing a pitcher in his back-to-back starts, as that offense, you're probably thinking, okay, we just saw this guy. We know he's elite and amazing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we just saw all his stuff. He just, you know, struck us out a bunch last week, yep. but we kind of know what to expect now. But what happened? What happened was he went four innings of perfect baseball. Right. Four innings of perfect baseball, ended up allowing one hit. I forget who it was to. But I believe it was Will Myers. Will Myers. If I'm, okay. I'm not mistaken. Okay. One hit to Will Myers. Went, ended up going six innings of one hit baseball, no walks and 10 strikeouts, dropped his ear rate of 0.56. We're watching here, I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if we can put it in the same conversation as 2000 Pedro Martinez or 1968 Bob Gibson, but we are watching a pitcher that is doing things that are just so elite. It's it's almost hard to describe right, right now what we're seeing from Jacob deGrom. And you know what's funny is that this whole started end of May, the whole foreign substance thing. And we've seen most pitchers' ERAs start to rise because now we kind of think, oh, maybe they're kind of on the lookout. they got to start pitching kind of their natural form again. We've only seen Jacob DeGrom get better. And I'm honestly thinking that most most analysts and most, you know, probably people are, are viewing him the most because they're saying, you've been so elite the past five seasons, you must be doing something. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm guaranteeing that he's being looked at way more in-depthly now 
and his numbers are only going down. So he's probably thinking, you know, come at me, come look at my fingers, come look at, you know, any part of my uh, apparel, my cap, is there pine tars or anything? No, there's not. I'm just that good and I'm having the best season of my career. And right now his area is showing that and he is just, I mean, absolutely shoving it to whatever team he wants to face. I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what to think about this right, right. now. It's, it's hard to rationalize. Insane. It's hard to rationalize it at all because... Degromination. I mean, I mean exactly. It, we're talking about, you know, a back-to-back Cy Youngs and then a, a third-place finish last year to Trevor Bauer, who famously almost pretty much admitted to using the sticky stuff last year. He mm-hmm. kind of was mm-hmm. saying how it's impossible for me to keep up with these guys if I don't do it. They're all doing it. They're cheating. And then the one year he explodes, it's obviously because he started doing it. And, you know... DeGrom finishes third place in that Cy Young vote. And then all of a sudden this year, he's well on his way to his, uh, you know, third in four years. You know, plenty of time left for someone else to kind of sneak in there. Woodruff is being great. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the other uh, candidates are kind of slipping right now because of yeah. this whole debacle. I know Burns gave up uh, not a great outing. I think two earned runs, but four runs allowed to uh, the Pirates just mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. weekend, which is, you know, against the Pirates, you'd expect them to be a bit, bit better than that. With obviously the spin rates all decreasing across his pitch, uh, his his uh, his arsenal of pitches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean Degrom is 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 kind of proving to us even more uh, how I guess establishing his uh, place in baseball history at least in this last uh, decade. And you know, I really honestly think that this whole movement against the uh, sticky stuff and his I guess absence from that like scene of sticky stuff is only gonna. Uh, further cement him as like you know the, the greatest pitcher of this decade uh right there with Clayton Kershaw Kershaw obviously at the first half of the decade Dugan at the second half so yeah and, and I think we'll really see what this transpires into as we get a bigger sample size we'll start seeing pitchers go 10 starts you know 15 starts towards the end of the season we'll definitely have a better you know grasp of what pitchers we think are really doing it and probably we're using a lot of the foreign substances and what pitchers were you know just being the way they are and I think Jacob Degrom is that guy you look at his numbers all throughout his career, starting in 2014, you know, had a 2.69 ERA. That's Hall of Fame numbers right there. To him, that's an average season. I remember in 2015 at the All-Star Game, he came in in relief. I think it was about the sixth or seventh inning, and he pitched nine pitches in one inning and struck out the side in immaculate inning against the All-Star team. Right. I mean, this isn't this isn't like I say the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is the All-Stars of the AL that he did that to. Guy's just an incredible. I mean, he's in a league of his own right now, and I'm glad we got to talk about him because it seems like every single week we have to bring him up because he's doing things that are just almost inhumane. Uh, and the ERA is showing it right now. And also the uh, the whip is showing it right now, 0.53 whip on the season. Um, and, you know, you look at all of his numbers too. I think I said this last week or a week before. I love seeing bold and italic numbers because that's telling me that oh, he's right. leading the NL and the MLB in those stats. You look at some of his numbers, it's almost crossed the line. He's leading in everything. Uh, guy is just on a, another planet right now. And it seems like we always like to talk about this guy a lot. Um, but Yeah, to- totally agree there. And I'll, I'll bring up a couple of things that I guess... I, I get, This is actually from a tweet that I saw by SNYTV. Um, these are just kind of some milestones that Grom has reached so far this season. 6-2 and two record, 0.56 ERA, 8 walks to 103 strikeouts that's just a crazy ratio mm-hmm. and a 121 opponent batting average he is has the lowest era of any pitcher in their first 10 starts since at least 1913 fewest innings to reach 100 strikeouts since at least 
1893. That's 61.2 innings to reach 100 strikeouts. He's the first pitcher ever with more RBIs than earned runs in a 10 game in a 10 start span since at least 1920. So, Charles, we're talking about he has five RBIs and four earned runs allowed so far this season. That is just not even like imaginable for like a National League pitcher that, you know, Otani's different because Otani's batting, you know, every day for the Angels and yeah. he'll, he'll pitch once a week. But this guy, he only gets to bat, he only gets to bat, you know, once a week essentially or like, you know, one one little group of at-bats a week when he starts. So somehow he has five RBIs and only four earned runs allowed. That's just a mind-blowing kind of stat i did see that too i think on his start against uh the potteries on friday he actually had an rbi uh hit over i think it was either third or shortstop's head and it goes against blake snell i mean lefty lefty just goes the other way blake snell one of the you know most most uh highly you know highly pitchers that highly level pitchers that came out of the trade deadline um this offseason and you know i mean it's just is just playing like he's in high school. I mean, just slaps it over uh, the shortstop's head and gets a couple RBIs. I mean, you can't make it up because, you know, Shohei's having such an insane year on the pitching and hitting side, and DeGrom's having a way better year on the pitching side. And you know what? He's also just doing things that you don't yeah. do on on the hitting side. I think I saw a stat. He was betting 391 on the season. I mean, you know, Shohei, of course, has a bigger sample size. Shohei is a lot better of a hitter than J- oh, Jacob yeah, DeGrom. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean... Good God. I mean, this yeah. guy is going to... No one saw that coming, though, This though. guy is going to help himself out and also get himself some runs. Uh, if there was no Shohei Otani this year, we'd be talking about someone that just is kind of a freak in Jacob deGrom, where it's almost like he is the best hitting pitcher in the game right now, and no oh, one yeah. really comes close. And um, then he's the best pitching pitcher. So. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And most guys come up to the plate that are pitchers. They're looking to, you know, either sacrifice a guy or, you know, hit something to the right side, get a guy over... You know, not really looking to do too much damage. Jacob Degrom, he's up there to look and to get RBIs and also to get himself on base. I just can't. I really don't know what to say about this guy. It's it's just a freak nature that he's doing right now, and it's just incredible that we get to see you know this guy pitch almost on a weekly basis. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I also want to pull up one more thing real quick uh, on Jacob Degrom, but then we can, we can move on. And Travis, you you reminded me there when you uh, were mentioning the uh, the bold stats, the italicized stats you see on Baseball Reference. You know, you see a guy with a great season. You look at his Baseball Reference. You can see what stats he's leading his league in, as well as what he's leading the MLB in. Um, you know, seeing it for a pitcher, you look at maybe strikeouts, ERA, what's he leading in. But um, I'm gonna actually take a look at uh, Jacob Degrom's per nine stats, and this this stat came from uh, Jeremy Frank at MLB Random Stats on Twitter. Um, he says that no pitcher has ever led their league in strikeouts per nine, walks per nine, hits per nine, and homers per nine in the same season. But Jacob deGrom currently leads the National League in all four categories, and he leads the MLB in three of those categories, which is just like, I, you know, leading the MLB in three of those categories, you're like allowing hits at an all-time low level, allowing walks at an all-time low level, and striking out at a high level, you know, better than anyone else. You're doing you're doing it all essentially. And the only other pitcher since 1900 to lead the MLB in three of those four stats is Nolan Ryan in 77. Pretty much like a peak Nolan Ryan right there. Um, absolutely incredible. And here's actually another another stat that I'll just point out to you guys from from the same Twitter account. Um, the most baseball reference WAR since 2018, Travis. I, I, actually, let's make this a little quick quiz, Travis. I want you to give me who you think are the top five in baseball reference war since 2018. And we talking about pitches right now? 
We're talking about baseball players. Baseball players. Baseball players, baseball reference war since 2018. So 2018, 19, 20, and this year. 2018, okay. There's five guys here listed. I'll give you this hint. Two are pitchers, three are position players. So who do you think the two pitchers are? Who do you think the three position players are? I know three position players. It's going to be Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, and Alex Bregman. That's correct. Correct, okay. And then pitchers. I'm going to definitely say Jacob deGrom. Yeah. Uh, Last guy. And this is 2018. I'm going to go bold, and I will throw out... You know, I'll, I'll go Garrett Cole. That's a very good guess. It's actually Scherzer. Scherzer. Okay. But you got four. Okay. I, yeah. you, you rattled out four pretty quickly. And actually, so the surprising thing about this, Travis, is that DeGrom's actually first now. Wow. DeGrom wow. is uh, at 25.5 B-War since 2018. Betts is at 24 flat. Trout's at 21.4. So Betts is actually quite a bit above Trout. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think that may have to do with playtime. Uh, if you look at like maybe war per like plate appearance, maybe playtime Trout- and and that 2018 season that Betts had was pretty incredible. It was very good. But- and then also 2020 was very good. 19 had a little bit of a, kind of a, a divot, but his defense is so good that you know he can For have sure. a, he can have an above average year at the plate, and his defense is going to cover him. Make and him so, an MVP candidate. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I mean I don't really blame too much of that, but yeah, no Mookie Betts is so yeah. you know, brings the war. M- Mookie in the second spot, Trout in the third spot, then Bregman in the fourth spot at nineteen point seven, and then Max Scherzer is B War sitting at eighteen point five in fifth place. But it's just crazy that Degrom. I didn't realize he's a whole. 1.5 war above second place since 2018. Insane. Just kind of puts context onto how good he has been as of late. I think we've, uh, I think we've commented uh, Jacob Degrom quite enough here. Uh, it's time to move on, Travis. Uh, where do you think we should go next? You know what? I like. Uh, I heard you say something about rookie of the year because we've been talking about rookie of the year, and you know, every single month our rookie of the year picks are kind of different. At least for the AL, NL, it's always been the same. Yeah. But right now, there's a new guy, new kid on the block yeah. that's kind of entered the scene, had a crazy week. You know, the past 10 games has kind of almost awoken, I would say, for this NL Central club. And that is a guy named Patrick Wisdom. That's right. He's putting, uh, he, he's enlightening, enlightening us with some wisdom right now. Uh, right that's, now, I'll give, that's you guys good. Kind of, that's good. I'll give you guys kind of the scoop on Patrick Wisdom right now. You know, 49 at-bats this season, played in 18 games uh, so far for the Chicago Cubs. But in 49 at-bats, he has eight home runs. The home run to at-bat ratio is very... Another level. Very insane and impressive. Also 17 hits to add to that. Batting 347 right now uh, for his uh, season so far with 11 runs, 12 ribbies, and one stolen base. And also looking at the on-base, just short of 400, but batting 396 when it comes to on-base percentage, slugging percentage insane almost a 900 slugging percentage right now batting an 878 slugging with an ops uh you know north of you know 1250 on the season right now with an ops plus of 247 right now you know what i think we look back at the last 18 games i think 18 games ago we were kind of already had our nl central picked out the brewers and the cardinals were going to be the two dogs in the fight till the end Cubs just made an insane resurgence back into the division. Had a great series this weekend with the St. Louis Cardinals. And kind of are just, you know, making their presence and pushing their way to the top in the NL Central. Uh, And Patrick Wisdom has been that kind of, uh, you know, 
match that spark to right. kind of get this team going. Chris Bryant's been holding this team steady, and he's been having a great season, almost an MVP-like season. But Patrick Wisdom, just one of those young guys that kind of comes on and has just a insane breakout, yeah. uh, you know, almost month because it's been 18 games, but hasn't even played 30 games yet. But, uh, I mean, what do you got to add to that, Alex? Yeah. It's been insane. Yeah, yeah. You covered that perfectly. And I, I guess I'll just say that, yeah, talking about the way he was kind of like that, you know, that spark for that team, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're a team who's possibly overperforming. No one really saw them to have this kind of season. You traded away Darvish, almost kind of, and you were in talks to trade away uh, Wilson Contreras, Chris Bryant, we all know, and Anthony Rizzo are going to be free agents after the season. So people thought they might punt on this season, but it turns out that Bryant's looking like an MVP candidate and everyone else is kind of clicking. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of overperforming and you need like maybe a few games here where you need someone to carry you, you know? And this rookie steps up and says, you know what, guys? Like, I'll carry the load. This week, I got you guys. Like, I'm going yes. bu- to hit a bunch of home runs. Yes. And I'm going to kind of put the team on my back for a little bit. You know, and it's not like it's just him. The team is, is playing very well. But uh, for a guy like Wisdom to kind of step up and say, you know, guys, you know, this, this is going to be my week. I got this. You know, coach, put me in the lineup and let's go. Uh, I think it's so huge for them. It's, you know, really going to make them that much scarier for the... Uh, I guess the NL Central race, the Brewers are going to be in it. I saw that the Cardinals are just actually kind of dipping in a big way. Yeah. Um, so it really is kind of opening a door for the Cubs since the other teams aren't really stepping up in the division like we thought they might. So wisdom has been phenomenal. Um, I Just looking at the home runs per plate appearance, home runs per game, essentially. Essentially, wisdom is, is going off in a way that it, it not it's... It's kind of just a fancy storyline where you're like, oh, like that's like a cool story. But actually, Travis, it is really important to this team, this Cubs team that wants to try to be uh, scary in their in their division. So um, I think it's super important, and what he's doing is big time. So yeah, uh, yeah, props to him. I still think the National League Cy Young, sorry, the National League Rookie of the Year, is firmly in the hands of uh, starting pitcher Rogers for the Miami Marlins. What he's done so far has been super impressive, especially knowing that he's a rookie. Ian Anderson is also pitching great as well. So I'm not sure that Wisdom is necessarily in a prime spot to take over the award, uh, to be the favorite, you know. But he's absolutely entered the conversation. Like, there's no way to, to put that, uh, to, to, deny, to deny that, essentially. He definitely has. And, you know, we've been really high on Rogers the last two months. That's something we've been agreeing upon every single month. We do our monthly uh, review and our monthly awards. Um, Rogers, of course, right now, yeah, of course, we still can agree. I think Rogers is still, uh, you know, the favorite, but you know, he has some competition now because, uh, some of the NL, uh, rookie of the year guys, you know, you look at, I think of, uh, Brian Hayes for the pirates right. had some struggles also has been hurt. And so he's kind of, you know, not been a strong candidate to compete for the rookie of the year. And it's nice to have this one guy, uh, come in and just be kind of like an outbreak for the Chicago Cubs and really almost help this team get to uh, first place as they are right now, sitting at first place tied with the Milwaukee Brewers, both of them 38 and 27. And we talked about the St. Louis Cardinals now back in the fourth place spot, six games back in the division sitting at 32 and 33 under 500. Yeah. They, we didn't see that coming. Travis. A lot of teams did not see that coming, especially being under 500 right now. As I said, the 60 game season is officially over for a lot of teams. And Alex, I got one question for you and this is kind of out of the blue because I want to see what your opinion is. What should one of these teams do? Because we look at these standings and one team is very just, it's very apparent that they are not, competing at the level they want to compete at the fans want them to compete at and everyone thought this team was going to be a lot better and that's the new york yankees right now sitting at 33 and 32 
eight and a half games back behind the Tampa Bay Rays. And they've been kind of like, you know, it's almost like the, the, the Yankees are the big brother of the AL East. And Tampa Bay is just a small market team, you know, really shouldn't be where they're going to be. I mean, Tampa Bay is just making them look like fools. And then you look at also Boston. Last week, Boston sweeping them in New York. I mean, in your opinion, what do you do right now if you're the New York Yankees? I don't know where they can go right now because they're just not clicking. And 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 one add one more thing: we see Garrett Cole now. I mean, who knows how his season's going to go? He's still leading, I think, in the AL Cy Young. But I mean, with this whole you know foreign substance thing, where do you see the Yankees go right now? Because it it just seems like they have all this money put into this this team, and of course they're not clicking. Yeah, that's a great breakdown there. I guess what I'll say, my take. I'm not too big on like a push the pan- panic button like too early kind of guy. I really don't want a team to overreact to a bad stretch because they started off really bad. They were at one point a 500 team through a few weeks and we saw them still being in the top five MLB power rankings and we were all upset about that. That's right. That was early on. And then so they were a 500 team and then they went on a crazy streak where Stanton mm-hmm. looked like an MVP. Uh, Judge was hitting home runs Ju- too. Judge yeah. had crazy pop. He was in the top uh, maybe three in the AL for home runs for a little bit there. And then, uh, you know, the team, uh, Kluber has the no-hitter. Cole was rolling. They looked really good. And now, Travis, all of a sudden, they're skidding again. So they kind of had a a skid and then a crazy spike and then a skid. So I'm not going to rule out that they can spike up again because they do have that kind of talent. They have that upside for sure. They have have World Series upside. We all know that, right? Mm -hmm. They have the talent to where in a seven-game series, if the whole team is working, Stanton, Judge, LeMayhew, the rest of the batting order is very good with guys like Urshela, great depth piece, great depth pieces. If Voice healthy, he's a huge plus. You know, Glaber's been very poor this year, but we know uh, what he's capable of. Uh, and then Cole uh, can kind of be the, the the workhorse in the in the starting rotation and a great closer in Chapman. So the team, the talent is off the charts without a doubt. But Travis, the record is obviously very concerning, and I think the biggest concern of all is their division. Mm-hmm. There's three other teams that are looking very solid, and the three teams that are clicking. The Tampa Bay Rays are obviously the favorites. They're, I think right now they're the runaway favorite to have take away that the whole American League. If it's pretty much them and the White Sox are going to be in a race, I think. Yeah, best record right now in MLB. So I do think that the Tampa Bay Rays and the White Sox are going to be in a big race for taking over the, uh, I guess, the best record in the AL. And then you have the Blue Jays, who are a young, hungry team. They're getting hot at the right time. Guerrero has been an MVP. And eight, eight home runs to point out today against the Boston Red Sox scoring. I think it was 18 runs in that ballgame. So just crazy. Just the, the lineup is the capable, offense is. Yeah, it's capable of anything, Travis. And we're talking about the team who Travis, they signed George Springer and haven't even been able to use him yet. We're talk- <laughs> That's right. They signed a guy Two games. They, they signed a guy who says, OK, we have a great foundation. Let's get this ML. Let's get this AL MVP ca- caliber kind of guy. He can get top 10 AL MVP votes, you know, almost every year. And they add him. He hasn't even been able to play, and they're still up competing with the Yankees, right? Just insane. Still a better record Just than the insane. Yankees. And then the Red Sox obviously have been exceeding expectations. They've had a very hot start. Mm-hmm. They have kind of started to slip a bit, and we know that we knew that that was going to come. But they're still better off than the Yankees as we sit here right now. Yeah. So and they just also swept, they swept the Yankees last weekend. That's right. So That's we're right. T- we're talking about a almost worst case scenario for Yankees where the team is not clicking, and the rest of the division really is clicking. Uh, ignoring the Orioles, of course. They're kind of the punching bag of the division, unfortunately, for them. But, um, yeah, currently, the Yankees, I don't want to say push the panic button yet. Um, I, I guess my advice, if if they ever asked me, was I would say stay the course until the All-Star break. 
see what happens. Maybe we can climb back to third, maybe kind of get close to second. We'll see. I still think that they can... I mean, there's no doubt the Yankees have the ability to surpass the Red Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays and end up in the in a wild card kind of race. Obviously, that's not what they would prefer, but um, I think that potential is there. So I would say stay the course till the All-Star break. And if things keep going bad and they have a negative uh, below 500 record at that point, I guess then I would say maybe it's time to make a big change. Mm-hmm. Um not you know you don't want to ditch one of your main pieces, but it's kind of making the Lemayhew contract look kind of questionable, right, Travis? Mm-hmm. They signed him big, and he really did earn that kind of money. But this year, he's not been what they expected, and he's only going to keep getting older. That's right. Um, I was going to ask you that too. You know, this team looking at late July, towards the trade deadline, and they're continuing to be five hundred. Let's just say they're you know even a couple games below or above five hundred. Do you see them as buyers or sellers uh, come right. late July? Yeah, I really think the next couple weeks here is going to tell the whole story. I think if they can get hot at the right time, I guess going into the All-Star break, right after the All-Star break, if they can kind of show some promise once again, if they can show some fight, I think that there's plenty of opportunity for them to, I mean, I don't know if they can buy. I don't really know what holes they have, you know? Like, their team is pretty complete. Um, Maybe you, maybe in in an ideal scenario, you try to get story, right? Yeah, Maybe you can ship away Glaber. Uh, maybe one other piece, maybe a pitcher from the minor or something like that, maybe a Clark Schmidt type, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe you can make a package for a story. And uh, if that's the case, then that is obviously a huge piece to add. Uh, story not really having an MVP kind of season like we know he's capable of. Um, so maybe a change of scenery would help him uh, even more. We know he'll be a free agent after the season. So maybe the Yankees could try to convince him to stay as well. But the Yankees have put a lot of money into Cole, into LeMayhew, Obviously, Stanton is getting paid huge. So we're talking about a team that doesn't really have a lot of, you know, Yankees have so much money. but That's right. Um, that's right. And, and firepower. I mean, the yeah. roster speaks for himself. I was going to bring up, they're kind of, and this is kind of off topic, another sport. To me, they're kind of like the Boston Celtics right now because they have a roster that was supposed to be designed to win for the next five years and so far have not done that. You know, look at the Celtics and you look at the Yankees. Both teams have not made it to their, you know, championship, the World Series or the finals. Yeah. Um, just to get a little off track. But, you know, it, it's just interesting to see that both these teams are every year are going in favorites in the East, you know, looking to be division winners, looking to, you know, almost just kind of get into the championship round. But they have just had a hard time struggling to get past, you know, some of these teams, the Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays for the Yankees. They just cannot seem to get by them. And of course, being fourth in your division right now is not looking good for, right. you know, it's, your team right it's now. It's definitely going to have to be either a wake-up call, and if it doesn't wake them up, then they'll have to make some serious changes. Absolutely. Um, a best-case scenario, like we said, a trade for Story would help them a bunch. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off, and I don't even know if they did pull it off, if it would make enough difference if the rest of the team doesn't also wake up. They're going to need mm-hmm. the whole team to kind of mm-hmm. snap together. Hopefully everyone, hopefully for them, they all can get healthy. Judge is always missing time. Stanton's always taking games off, too, as the DH, which, you know, I think people, some fans were questioning uh, the, the decisions of Coach Boone uh, a couple weeks or a week or, week or so ago. So uh, they have some thinking to do um, in the front office. And I think the Yankees are probably a team that, you know, they know what their reputation is, and they know they have to win. Like, that's what the fans expect. Yeah, of course. It's championship or bust, and they have not been there in quite some time. So I have uh, a feeling that the front office will be down to make the changes we just have to see, I guess, how desperate they get for those changes. So um, that's, that's a good question. It's really hard for me to you know see into their future, but uh, 
essentially it comes down to the next few weeks and if they can wake up or not. Um, definitely. The, 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 clock's definitely. Tick, the, clock, the clock's ticking for them. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, they need a wake-up call. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to one other team that just actually got the wake-up call about 10 games ago. And that is our team, the Angels. Uh, looking at it right now, I mean, there's a lot of hot teams in baseball when you look at record-wise. But when you look at the last week, there isn't a team that's much hotter right now than the Angels. Uh, right now in the last nine games, they are 8-1, and one, uh, you know, sweeping the Kansas City Royals and also today sweeping the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've really gotten this wake-up call since Mike Trout has gone on the IL. Um, we talked about it last Sunday. I was telling you, in two weeks, we need to have a good conversation about the Angels when we go over our next power rankings. Right now, we're kind of doing our you know midterm look at them right now, and they are they're playing very impressive baseball. And there's a lot of different people that we'll cover right now that have been really, you know, the the cast supporters of this success right now. No Mike Trout right now playing. Hope to get him back sometime mid-July. But a lot of big guys have stepped up. Uh, Charis, there's almost like, I think every single guy on our team is worth saying something about, right? Like, Of e- course, of either, course. Either every single guy... I'm glad you brought that up, yeah. Every, every <laughs> single guy is either like, we could say, oh, this guy is one of the one of the key reasons why we're doing so well, or maybe there's a couple handful of, a few guys that, you know, maybe they're one of the reasons that's, you know, maybe benching this player or that player is a yeah, reason. Yeah, Kurt Suzuki, is a reason. you're talking about, yeah, yeah. Thanks for just, <laughs> thanks for clearing the, clearing the air there. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the catcher conversation in a bit here. But Travis, I, I just want to start out by kind of saying... I feel like, you know, you, you don't want to like, oh, I called this, everyone mm-hmm, look mm-hmm. at me. But Travis, we were saying a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, right, even though Trout is getting injured right now, the schedule gets way easier yes. here yes. for a good stretch of time to the All-Star break. The first half, or the first, I guess, looking at this season so far, you, 50 can, games. you, yeah, can, look at, you can look at it in like two different chunks. We had this first chunk where we faced the White Sox to start the season. We had to play Boston in Boston already, which when when they were red hot, yep. the schedule was just it was just rough. The, we, Four against Tampa, three against the Dodgers. I can name you. Keep going on. We, we played the Royals when they were hot. We had to go to Toronto, which was actually playing in Florida. But we've played the good teams. We have. We and, have. And now we're at a point where I said, Travis, look at the schedule coming up. We're talking about Tigers, who we're actually going to be playing next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about uh, obviously we just beat up on the Arizona Diamondbacks. We also just took care of the Kansas City Royals, who mm-hmm. uh, have been slipping off in a big way the last month or so. So we just kind of knew how the the season was definitely lightening up in a big way for us. Um, so you know, we we kind of saw this coming. We knew that the team this would be, this was a time to strike. Essentially, the time to strike was when Mike Trout is still rehabbing. Can we get this team back to five hundred by the All Star break? That was kind of the goal. And Travis, we're already there. Yeah, and we already, have, already a game up. <laughs> we're already a game above five hundred, and we have the A's this week as well as the the Detroit Tigers this coming weekend. So, mm-hmm. um, we can't split with the A's because it's a three game series. So if we can, even if we go one of two, even going one and two uh, would not be best case. But if we went two and one, one and two, either way, and then swept the Tigers, we'd be in such a good spot for the division. You're right, knowing that okay. I think we also have to play against the Rays and the Yankees. Rays and Yankees away. Before the All-Star break. So that's yes. not ideal. But, you know, we can even lose those series if we're just taking games as well as taking games from the A's and then sweeping up on the on the bad teams. We can be in a in a spot where we're, you know, five to six games back in the in the AL West when Trout comes back post, mm-hmm. post-All-Star mm-hmm. game. And that really is the goal for me. If we can be in a striking distance as Trout comes back... We know Trout's value. It's gonna be it, it goes off the charts essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Adding him in the middle of our lineup 
It's just going to kind of support everyone else and help guys like Rendon and Otani continue to do uh, what they've been doing while they're hot. Um, uh, Travis, I don't really know where to start. Um, I guess we'll, sh- we'll start with... We'll start with where we start with the pitching side of things. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's been, I think, the big, you know, almost elephant in the room. The Angels pitching staff has been better, and the Angels bullpen and relief pitching has been way better. I'll start off with, I think, what we talked about last weekend. You know, going in, I think it was Friday night last weekend against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, this is actually, sorry, two weeks ago. Um, you know, we have the bases loaded. Or actually, the Seattle Mariners have the bases loaded. No outs. Russell Iglesias comes in, strikes out the side, then comes in and has a one, two, three, ninth inning. I think that really was kind of a big energy boost. And that's what, kind of where our streak really started because ever since that point, We've only lost one game, and that was that Sunday game against the Seattle Mariners. But ever since then, I mean, we've seen just, I mean, great pitching performances from Griffin Canning, from Shohei Otani, from Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy actually picking up his first win this past week against the Kansas City Royals. Don't forget my boy Heen Dog. And he, yeah, Heen Dog has been, I mean, ever since his first two starts, it's really funny because, I mean, Angels Twitter and, you know, kind of the Angels bubble was giving him just so much crap just about being, you know, we've had you for how many years and you really just don't step up. And now, of course, your first two starts are just complete disasters. I was talking to you earlier. Right now, Heaney, yeah, he is our number one right now. If we had to go almost into a playoff series or a wild card, I would honestly be looking at throwing Heaney or I'd be throwing Otani. Right. You know, just a bit. Almost, almost you can think of doing both righty, lefty, kind of switch them up exactly. in the middle of the game. And you'd have to be strategic because, of course, pitching Otani, you'd have to think, okay, well, we want, we need his bat. We need his bat in the right. lineup. So maybe we do not want to pitch him because we want to keep his bat in just in case we go extras. We don't want to not have Otani's bat not in the lineup. Um, but Heaney's just been impressive. Otani has just continued. Otani has just not allowed many walks in all in, in most of his starts now, which is just insane because the start of his season, that was that was the big thing. He was walking so many guys, and that's why his ERA was, you know, decent, but not it could have been, you know, below one because he's not allowing a lot of hits. It's uh it was all the walks that were getting, you know, him in trouble. And so Otani's been insane. Canning's just been kind of a, you know, almost a, a big spark to our rotation. ERA, not where we want it to be, but it's kind of funny because I think Griffin Canning has four to five wins on the season. He's actually one of the top angels with the wins uh, for the for the you know entire rotation. But, I mean, we've seen guys like Patrick Sanderville come up and just been absolutely, you know, he's kind of like our Patrick Wisdom, I would say. The last two starts, he's 2-0. and Today, he pitched great against yeah, the he's really, Diamondbacks. He's really risen to the occasion. Uh, he's been, you know, I don't want to sell them short. You know, Patrick Sandoval and also... Uh, also Suarez on the on the Angels, uh, both guys who are yeah. young, who have been frustrating at times in the past couple seasons. Some very rocky outings for yeah. them, both mm-hmm. as a starter or in long relief. And Travis, so far they've done their job and and even more. They've you know gone above and beyond. They've answered the call uh, when needed, and that's the kind of things you need to go your way if you're going to make a push in the middle of the season. Here, it is. You got to be able to trust these kind of guys. And right now they've been everything we've asked. And more. Um, I want to park on Shohei a bit there. You mentioned how he's cleaned up his his walking, right? The yes. strikeouts are always elite, but he can be wild at times, and the walks can get out of hand. So this was a stat posted on uh, the seventh of June. So it may he's had one outing since, so it may have changed up a little bit. Yeah. But um, so this is uh from the beginning of the season up until May fifth. This is going to be his uh what we're looking at start of season to May fifth as a pitcher. Otani had a 22.6% walk rate. So he was walking almost a quarter of the batters he saw. 
that's obviously a big problem if you want to have this guy as like the guy who's going to pitching in yeah. a, in the ALDS or a wild card game. You don't want him to be the guy who you know in the first inning he's walking a quarter of the batters and you're already nervous from the start. And as a hitter, he was only walking 7.6% of at-bats. So that first month up and plus five days of the season, he was not walking much as a batter at all. And as a pitcher, he was walking almost a quarter of the guys he saw. So the biggest, those were the two biggest issues, I feel like, in his whole game. He does yeah. he does so yeah. much great, but those are the two biggest weaknesses. He wasn't seeing uh he wasn't seeing a lot of walks as a batter, and he was walking too many as a pitcher. But since May 6th and onward, up until his previous start about a month of baseball there as a pitcher he only has 7.6 percent walk rate mm. so he's only walking less than 10 percent of batters it's a huge decrease yeah it, it it's absolutely changes everything and then as a hitter he's now walked 14.5 percent uh as of his plate appearances so that's almost double what he was doing before so travis i honestly think that this kind of adjustment is making him that much more of a favorite for the al mvp because yeah one of his biggest weaknesses was his on base because he wasn't walking enough. And then also, we know he can slug the ball. Yeah. We know his power. But when he's actually seeing pitches working the count as well as getting on base that many more times, because every walk Otani gets, he's a threat to steal. He's a threat to score on a gapper or a ball down the line. Yeah. So getting those walks and then also avoiding those walks on the mound, it's going to help his whip. It's going to help him prevent runs straight up. It's going to help him prevent runs. So, um, I, just this kind of adjustment we're seeing Otani make in the middle of a year that's already MVP level, these adjustments he's making is helping him that much more. And it's helping the Angels in a big way, I believe. Yeah. And, I, and looking back, you know, at his first month of the uh, 2021 season, uh, three starts in the month of April. And in three starts, he had 13 walks in the month of April. That's about, you know, looking at almost four walks a game. So, if, you know, it, it, almost to simplify things, you're thinking about he's almost walking in a run every single game that he comes out and also having the bases loaded because four walks uh, would equal, you know, one run coming to the plate. Yeah. This past June, so far in two starts, he's only had two walks in the month of June in two starts. So really right there, he's averaging one walk every start so far. Uh, not Jacob deGrom-like, but, you know, he is doing impressive things on there. And then leading with that, 18 strikeouts this month so far yeah. in two starts. That's about nine strikeouts, uh, a game with one walk. You know, Strike, he's... Strikeouts not something we have to worry about with Otani, right? No, not, not at all. He's going to take care of that for not sure. Not at all. And so you see his ERA still below a three, which, I mean, right now, you, you almost just have to say he is the AL MVP to be pitching this good and to be hitting as well as he's hitting is no question about it. He right now is the guy that has stepped up when Mike Trout, the leader of the Angels, has gone on the IL. Otani stepped up and he's been, you know, kind of, you know, just been the resurgence the Angels have needed as well as other guys. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll kind of change the change the subject, but, you know, Justin Upton moving into that leadoff role has been has just been I don't know who this guy is because he's last completely season. changed his game absolutely Travis I actually have a stat for what you just said so Travis this stat is actually comparing what Jup was looking like from March 2019 through August 2020 okay. so we're talking about beginning of the 2019 season 2019 a year that was obviously difficult for Jup we saw a pretty poor performance from him and I remember he had uh, I think he started the season with turf toe. Right, he started off on the injured list, and then from there, we never really saw him come back yep. in a healthy way, where we thought this guy, you know, it, it essentially, it, in a way, it derailed his whole season, and then 2020 started off very cold for J-Up, mm -hmm. ended very hot, so we're going to look at 
March 2019 through August 2020, and then we're going to compare that to September of 2020, the last month of that season, up until today. Mm-hmm. And this was a tweet um, just two days ago by Brent McGuire on Twitter. So uh, that first stretch I mentioned where he was pretty poor, we're talking about 346 plate appearances and his slash line, a 194 average. Wow. For over That's over a season where he's hitting yeah. below 200. And getting paid north of 15 mil a year. B- big yeah. bucks. So 194 average, 286 on base. 385 slugging that's a 78 uh wrc plus only 16 homers in that stretch wow only 16 homers in over a season there gonna compare that to what he's done from september 2020 up until a couple days ago 285 pas 285 pas 244 batting average Mm -hmm. so that's way up Mm -hmm. almost Mm -hmm. 50 points up exactly 50 points up actually A 330 on base. Wow. So now we're talking about, you know, above average for, yeah, for the yeah. average player. Almost 100 points above his average for walking, you know. Yeah. yeah. And then and then 516 slugging. So this is a huge leap. We're talking about a 133 WRC plus. So if I'm going from a 7, 8, or sorry, a 78 WRC plus up to a 133 WRC plus, that's that guy just kind of tells you how good you are compared to the average hitter yep. in terms of all around batting. So we're jumping from a 20% below average guy to a 30% above average hitter. Wow. And this is for over 285 plate appearances. So this yeah. is a significant sample size now we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. JF is really clicking. He has 19 homers in that stretch. And that was one thing I saw in that. I actually 19 saw that, homers. I saw that post, and that was really impressive, too, seeing that, you know, almost 100 less plate appearances and three more home runs in that stance. And that's what we kind of pay him to do. Where, I mean, I, I know he's a guy that's probably not going to be the big on-base guy because we want him to hit the ball out of the ballpark. But just seeing those home runs, that is very impressive. And, I mean, just seeing the eyeball test, we've seen this guy change since September of 2020. He's been, you know, a different kind of person uh, for this Angels lineup. And moving him to the leadoff role, I think I saw a stat a couple days ago. He's definitely above he, – he's hitting above 300 in the leadoff role. Yeah. And also has an on-base above 400. So it's one thing I will give a little bit of credit for Madden to, to kind no. of see what he's been doing and changing his approach to the play. No, I, I have tons of criticism for some of the stuff Madden has done this season. What I will too say, much, too much. Right, right. <laughs> what I also will say is that I will always respect the manager when something is not working. Try something different. Yes. And with Jay up, hitting in the five, the six, the seven spot was not going good in the first couple you know first several weeks of the season uh we said okay how can we make this guy change his approach a bit move him to the leadoff spot when fletcher was slumping fletcher goes down to nine upton goes up to the first spot and it's been it's worked wonders for upton it's you know i i don't know how he's thinking about it differently maybe he's doing the same thing it's a bit of a confidence boost of madden saying you know we believe in you go hit in the leadoff spot but it works um it works great against lefties, but it's really working against both as of right now. It's, it's crazy that just kind of a mental shock to where you're hitting in the lineup will almost affect how you're going to be hitting. It, it, it's it's definitely a thing that I saw when I played baseball. It just is – it's almost like one number. You, you you know, you might hit in the three spot and do terrible, but they move you back to the four spot and you're going to hit, you know, 350. It's just kind of crazy how the psychological plays out in the game of baseball. Just one – one number below or above where you're hitting right now could affect how you're going to perform. Sure, and it it also kind of you also have to look at it as okay maybe maybe some of that is mental like completely right, and maybe some of that is just kind of the luck of the draw. Maybe yeah. Upton just heats up at the right time as he switches to the one spot, and it almost validates him in a way where he's like okay 
I got moved up and now I'm doing good. So I've earned it. And then yeah. he's going to, you know, feel motivated. And so he's been a huge reason why the Angels have really picked up their pace in the last couple of weeks because he's been awesome in the leadoff spot. Travis, another reason why I've been really good um, is because the return of my guy, Max Stassi. He has, Travis, I think you will you will attest. You are my you are my proof. I've been saying it course, since, since, since 2020 that he is legit. He started hitting the ball better than he ever has in 2020. And we already knew his framing and defense was elite as a catcher. So seeing him not only carry that offense into 2021, but improving on it, truly improving on it. His power numbers have been crazy. He had a homer today in the first inning. Madden has him in the three spot right now, Travis. Stassi's batting third and fourth some of these games, which is really funny to see. And rightfully so. But he's earned it, Stassi has. And besides that, Travis... There's no one else I want behind the plate defensively. When, no, you're right. When we have a man on base scenario with you know maybe two strikes on a batter, I know a ball on the corner. Stassi's the guy who I want trying to sell it to the ump. Stassi gets that call so often. Um, he's a great framer. What he does behind the plate is, uh, I think it's invaluable. It's hard to gauge how much that kind of stuff is worth to uh, to winning. But I mean, all I'll say is when he was injured, we were skidding, and yeah. now that he's back, we're doing really good. And yeah. I think he is a big part of that. It's hard to say, what, you know, is he the top three most important guy in the Angels right now? It's hard to say that kind of number, yeah. but he's up there. Yeah. He's one of the biggest reasons in my book, not only because his bat is a consistent presence, but just also that defense and the way I think he can kind of help these. It was a struggling rotation. The rotation was struggling for the first half, yep. and I think yep. that he's been a big switch. What do you what do you make of our catcher situation? No, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm a firm believer that certain catchers and certain, you know, people behind the plate can affect how the pitchers go about their business and how pitchers perform. I mean, being an elite defender and elite framer, I think it gives most starting pitchers on the Angels staff the confidence that, you know what, I might throw a ball 58 feet, a 58-foot curveball. This guy's going to block it, and he's going to, you know, keep the ball in front and limit the you know, the runners from advancing. I'm going to trust my stuff and I'm going to be able to throw that because I know this guy is going to do his job. Also, I throw a fastball or a changeup two inches off the plate. I know this guy has an elite framing, uh, you know, part of his game where he can actually catch that and put that right back in the strike zone and the umpire is going to call that a strike and I'm going to have almost an, you know, almost a strike zone that's going to be opened up by two inches, I would say. But, you know, it's funny how some catchers really can affect how the pitcher, you know, pitches his game. And we've seen the last 10 games since Stassi has returned, the pitching staff has gotten better. So I really do believe and think it's it's because of him. It, it really is because, you know, Kurt Suzuki was doing the job where, you know, getting up in age and not really kind of performing on the defensive side. I really think that some of the, you know, some of the pitchers on the Angels were probably thinking, man, I got to throw, you know, pitches down the strike zone for us to be called a strike because Kurt Suzuki's not going to frame this how I want it to be framed. And I'm going to end up Completely walking a bunch of guys. That. And so um, I think Max Stassi has performed on the defensive side. One part is that's just been a shock is the offensive side. This guy came to the Angels in 2019 and in 20 games had a batting average of point. Zero seven one, Travis. I remember when we got batting him, under a buck. <laughs> I remember when we got him that season. We were uh, not really in the hunt late in that season. We not knew really. the season was over. The Astros were that good, and the A's were a wild card team. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember getting Stassi and just wanting to see what he was going to do for us, mm-hmm. and it was not pretty at all. Not at all. I remember all the strikeouts, all the groundouts to the to the shortstop over and over again not making good contact, just kind of hitting ground balls, hitting pop-ups. Yep. And it was, it was you know, 
the bat is not everything for a catcher, but when you're doing that poorly, it's almost like might as well send a pitcher up there yeah. to do your batting for you. No, exactly. What's going on here? Exactly, exactly. And that's one thing I point out. Just an absolute, just like, just a horrifying 2019. 2020, an absolute turnaround. Only played 31 games last season. Was injured a little bit and also having other guys come in and catch as well. I think Ben Boone was up there as well. Yeah. But seven home runs in 31 games. I mean, that was pretty impressive for a catcher. I mean, putting that numbers up. Never I think saw if, that coming. I, I think if you uh, if you look at a full season, if he played a full season, you'd be looking at almost 35 homers for him on the season. Uh, it, it, just an insane power season. Oh, had an 886 OPS last season. And then this season, I mean, right now, only 21 games played, has been injured. Also, of course, splitting time with some other catchers, as, of course, most catchers aren't going to be playing 150 games. you got to give some rest to them because yeah. their bodies are just being torn apart. But, I mean, we're seeing an absolute insane season this season. Only 21 games. He has five home runs and 11 RBIs. He's batting 339 with a 397 on base and a 645 slugging. I mean... I, I, I think it's really stupid if you said he is not a top three catcher in the AL, at least right now. Him and Salvador Perez are putting up just really good seasons. But Stassi has just been this guy that's just been, you know, I, I just doing it all. I mean, he has yeah. been affecting the pitching staff like no one else in the American League and MLB, I would say. And also on the hitting side, he has just been a difference maker for the Angels. Him and Shohei right now are are probably the most refreshing Guys, I like to see when, when Madden puts his lineup together because I know that these guys bring it every single day, and they're always special when you come to watch them at the plate. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, Travis, I guess what I will say about Stassi, you mentioned how he, you think he's like a top three guy, AL at least, this season. So there's kind of a different conversation when you talk about, okay, who's the best guys right now, like this season? Yeah. And also, who are the best guys in baseball? Yeah. So yeah. you're almost kind of thinking of, okay, talking about right now, we're factoring in this season versus who's the best in baseball uh, yeah. you know, as it stands. Looking at the last, I would say probably in the last like three, maybe four seasons. Right. I, I know. Yeah. So like there's different ways to look at it, right? I know you love to look at the sample size. Like, okay, like you'll really value someone who was consistent for the last several seasons. Yeah. Yeah. That, Not know, one hit wonders. Right. Yeah. Right. And so you want to see someone who can put up the numbers re- repeatedly. Yeah. They can yeah. Re- repeat their success. Mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of sense. I have always been someone who is a really fan of high peaks. Yeah. And as long as the other seasons, other moments are not too bad, I'll mm-hmm. give a lot of credit to that. I think if you're looking at like, you know, who are the best catchers in baseball, I have to have Stassi in the top 10. Mm-hmm. So I'm, not, I'm not talking about just this season. I'm talking about catchers in baseball. No. I think uh-huh. if you combine the defense and the offense of 2020 and 2021, he's missed some time. And so it's also made the sample size a little bit smaller. But thinking about the fact that he's been injured and he's still putting up these kind of numbers, it's truly, it, it's really, it's really crazy. And yeah. I, th- I think I saw something that this year, 2021, he's fourth place among the catchers in baseball in terms of baseball reference war. He's only played like 21 games, like yeah, you mentioned. Yeah. How is he fourth in war yeah. of most catchers? It's, it's really crazy. And no, so, you're right. And I, and I agree with you because I think guys like, you know, a guy like Gary Sanchez, just been awful. He's been on a decline since I think 2017, 2018. Just has not been strong. Never been a good defensive catcher. Right. And then you look at the offensive numbers. Strikeouts have gone way up. The average has just dropped. And, you know, Gary Sanchez is a guy that's falling. And that's that's one reason why the Yankees are kind of struggling right now. Uh, you know, and Max Stassi has really risen the past couple seasons. I would definitely agree with you. Top 10 Max Stassi, to me, is a top 10 catcher right now. Defensively, one of the best. Offensively, 
really is rising. I mean, a 340 average, you know, you look at the OPS above pretty much 1.0. How can you not say Max Stassi is one of the top guys? And right now, of course, I said top three in the AL right now. He's doing, you know, insane things. He's a guy right now that would be a very sneaky all-star, you know, all-star vote for the AL. And he deserves he the votes. His performance has Without a doubt, earned it. The only concern will be the games played. I'm sure yeah, yeah. that will be the concern. It's probably going to go to a guy like Salvador Perez. Mm-hmm. I would assume. Um, you know, Stassi. His the, the numbers, the rate based numbers are absolutely there. Travis, another thing that's so impressive is that right now we're talking about Max Stassi at a 1.1 baseball reference WAR, mm-hmm. and he's played 20 some games. Yeah, yeah. Already at a 1.1, and looking at Kurt Suzuki, Kurt Suzuki is don't, currently don't don't go there. Currently on the season, third, third, <laughs> 34 games. We're at a negative 0.3 war, so yeah. Um, I think that really tells a story. If if you don't believe me and Travis that the defense and the offense both uh, making a huge difference by Stassi, that should tell you right there. The value based stats are favor Stassi heavily over Suzuki, even though Suzuki's played more games. So uh, yeah, I I think Stassi is one of the big reasons why our team has exploded as of late. Uh, I mean, we could we could keep going on. I think a lot of the, the role players have stepped up in a big way. Guys like Lagares, guys like Ward had some big uh, series the last couple of series. Uh, I know, um, you know, they, they both went for extra bases just last night. Other guys have stepped up. Like I know uh, Wong, Travis Keen Wong is a guy who I didn't think he'd make get a lot of playing time this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you know he kind of kind of got called up when uh, Iglesias was out for injury. And the uh, Fletcher and the got moved Anaheim over. Native, uh, Jose took, took a step down. Yeah, I think we, Madden finally realized what we've seen for a while now is that Jose Rojas was not really the MLB guy. Uh, he goes back down to AAA. They call up Keen Wong to play some second base. And then now with Fletcher back on second and Iglesias back in the lineup, Wong's been in the outfield. And he's, you know, his bat's not electric, but he's come up in some big spots and his defense been, has been very good. I saw him rob a homework the other day. Yeah. And also in the middle of the field, he can get the job done as well. Yeah. So uh, just seeing him out there, it's refreshing to see young guys step up. Iglesias, uh, someone you mentioned, uh, our shortstop, uh, uh, talking about Jose Iglesias. Yeah. Um, he has stepped up in the big uh, big spots as of late. Uh, has had some big at bats. Rendon, a guy slumping early, um, kind of injured. So he would kind of you know would be slumping, got injured. Yep. Maybe didn't fully recover because he was still looking kind of slow out there. Uh, gets injured again. I know he has two different IL stints. Just finally now it feels like he's kind of clicking for once. Uh, Four RBI game I believe yesterday against the Diamondbacks really kind of had a you know captivating performance. Yeah, I, seeing seeing him kind of look like his old self again is a, a huge plus for you know his confidence as well as I guess just running out our lineup he always is batting in that four five maybe even three spot yeah so it's important for him to be good that way the pitchers can respect the guys in front of him because if if Rendon is in a big slump they're just gonna walk Otani or yeah. Walsh right yeah and the, we'll just face Rendon because he's gonna ground to the old player or he's gonna pop out so it's really it's really key to get Rendon going uh, as the kind of backbone. He's like kind of the the base, like the support of the first three guys in our order. Yep. Yep. So, but uh, but I, one thing you point out, you know, Walsh, Otani, two big lefties that have just been so instrumental in our team this year. Yeah. Walsh, of course, just being just you know, he's almost like the Upton. You know, September of twenty twenty was insane. I think almost ten home runs. I think it was nine home runs in the month of September last year. And you know, twenty twenty one has just been an insane year for him. He is the first baseman uh, of the future for the Angels right now. Uh, you know, and, and also what's impressive, I will say, is also he's been playing the outfield and been playing it very well. And also, you know, I, we said this earlier in the podcast, he pitches as well. So yeah. he can do it all. But I think he had a home run today, you know, later in the ball game. But 
Jared Walsh, I mean, every Angel fan would agree this guy has been a, you know, just a spark for the Angels and, and really just a complete help for this team. 14 home runs right now on the season. And please, uh, and please get him to the All-Star game. Yeah. Please yeah, get him. Yeah. We, we know Guerrero deserves to start, but please get Walsh to the All-Star game. Yeah. He needs to be there. It's, it, it's, it, it would be a, it'd be a disaster. It's funny how the, the how much competition right now in the AL West with Matt Olson, Guriel, Walsh. I mean, all three of these guys are outstanding. They all deserve first it. Based based on and, they all, and they all deserve it. It's going to be really... Uh, you know, of course, disappointing. Jose Abreu, of course. I think the AL first basemen have really stepped up this year. Uh, for the past couple of years, I feel like Jose Abreu has kind of been the only guy. And you look at the NL, it's like, okay, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, uh, Anthony Rizzo. Just Gold a bunch Schmidt, of guys. Goldschmidt, too. Goes on. It's been so NL, you know, heavy and based when it comes to first baseman talent. Right now, the AL is right up there with all the first basemen. And so, uh, Jared Walsh just been insane and then of course we can go all day about Otani I mean Otani has been the guy in the order where every Angel fan is out standing on their feet because they know something special is going to come to the plate it's just going to be very nice when we get Mike Trout back and this lineup is clicking um and the pitching staff is you know so far clicking um yeah I I think exciting things to come I I think we have to park at this last Otani outing that he just had uh this last weekend uh it was a great performance by him the one thing that happened, Travis, was there was a bit of a meltdown inning where a couple of box were called. I think we should park here for a minute and just kind of give the listeners some context yeah. on I think what that game meant for us. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and give a brief, brief keep a brief history lesson <laughs> of I think Travis knows where I'm going. The 2019, uh, the, so in 2019, Travis, the Angels they went to L.A. Yeah. They faced the, the Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah. We actually went to one of the games. I actually went both those. Games. You went to both of those games. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We won both games back to back days. Brought out the broomsticks for the Dodgers in 2019. I mean, easy right. sweep. Yeah. E- easy money. And then so after that, we looked at our schedule. I believe we were about four or five games above 500 we're in that vicinity there. And in the wild card spot. We were in the wild I remember, card. I remember it too, almost too well. And Travis, we knew that the next seven games were against the Baltimore Orioles as well as then the Detroit Tigers. They were the two worst teams in baseball at that time. And I remember Travis. We were saying if we could sweep both, if we could just go, you know, three, three and one, and then two and one, we'd be, you know, running away with the wild card. We'd be in a great spot. Uh, Instead, we went two and five. And Travis, <laughs> there was a turning point in that season. There was a game, and it was went to extra innings. And there was a scenario where there was two outs for Mike Trout, and a chance. Angels were losing by two, right? Uh, what, what inning? What inning? Do you remember? I don't remember. It was like it was like the thirteenth. It was it was deep into extra innings. Wait, uh, yeah, the game the game went the game went deep, and then it, after I tell you what happened this inning, it kept going. Yeah. But essentially, the tying run is on second base. The winning runs on third base. That's David. Or sorry, first base. Winning runs on first base. That's David Fletcher. Trout in a two strike two out scenario hits a uh, a hard ball hit down the third base line, and. It's a kind of ball where Fletcher, you think he'll have a play at the plate, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Trout, you know, clutches up, gets the double. Fletcher comes all Ties the way. Ties it easily. Yeah, t- easy tie. Fletcher's coming around. They're tr- trying to score him. It was a great relay to home, and Fletcher slides in, and he looked to me safe. They call him out. And this is like 12 p.m. in the middle of the night, and I'm in my, I'm in my back room, Travis. I'm pounding on the floor like, he was safe. He was safe. And they, they review it for a good five minutes, and they come out. And I saw the replay. He looks safe to me. Yeah. To this day, he looks safe to me. But I guess they said it wasn't enough evidence, and they called him out still. The extra innings continued, and we ran out of relievers. 
and in extra innings, we had to put in Griffin Canning. Yeah. And who, he, who was our next day starter? He was supposed to be starting later the series, and he was also having a great year that year. He yeah. was pitching great. And so we had to use him out of the bullpen. He gave up a home run. I feel bad for him because he did not ex- go into that game expecting to get the ball in the extra inning scenario in a tie game. All of a sudden, we thought we'd have an easy time with this Orioles team. We thought yeah. we'd, we'd beat them no problem. Yeah. We end up losing the game after that canning homer. And then also in the in the bottom of the last inning, the Angels lost to a position player pitching. We could not. <laughs> That's right. We could not force them to blow that save. A position player That's on the mound right. got the save. Oh, so just thinking about the way that game melted down. And they couldn't pull a three zero Yerman Mercedes moment, but uh. <laughs> yeah, uh, essentially that game lives down in infamy as the Fletch was safe game. And I will always remember being up late, so disappointed, and. Travis, that game started off a big skid. Like you said, we went 2 of 5 against the Orioles, against the Detroit Tigers, and the, the skid continued. It was a really rough second half of the season. Um, eventually, we got to a point where Trout missed the last month. Otani missed time as well. The, the, the season got really out of hand really fast. And Travis, what I will say is Otani's last start just on Friday, I do think that that was the Fletch was safe game of this year, except we won it. I think we might have <laughs> broken the curse. I think that that game meant something um, for, for a few reasons. I think this game will be the Otani didn't balk game. Yeah. Because there was back to, you know, I believe it was back to back batters. It was at least in the same inning where there was first and second, men on first and second for Otani with no outs. They called a balk on a pickoff attempt that was good. Yeah. I'm sorry if you disagree, if you're, an, uh, if you're a Diamondbacks fan. The pickoff was good. He stepped off, then the ball left the glove, then he turned and fired it. Gubaza and uh, and uh, you know the, the the broadcast team are trying to figure out you know where did he mess up like that looked good to me they call a balk anyways don't know why that was second and third so now you're saying okay like you know a base hit could score two and this just goes from I believe we were up three zero it goes from three zero to three two which yeah. is not what you yeah. want um, Travis and then they call Otani for a second balk they say he rushed the ball to the mound they say he didn't come set. And I'm sorry if you look at it. I guess he kind of did a rushed pitch. He was set. He yeah, came, oh yeah, yeah. He came set. He, he came, came set. set. There's just no way to. I, I just don't understand why he was being targeted by the refs like that by the umpires. I I just I'm so perplexed by it. So a run now scores. Yeah. Another man goes to third base. All of a sudden, a run is scoring because of the umpires. Yeah. And I'm just like I just can't believe it. I'm just in complete disbelief. Otani ends up kind of getting out of it, and then um, the game kind of continues on. Angels have a lead, and the Diamondbacks eventually do tie it up. So they eventually pull Otani from a starting role. But they, I think it was either a tie game or maybe up by one at that point. So what they did was they kept him in the outfield. They knew we wanted to keep his bat in for another plate appearance, knowing that he could have more impact in the game, right? I mean, that just makes sense. So they put him in the outfield um, so that he can get one more AB. And when he does come up to bat, Travis, J.F. had just worked a walk, I believe, the I bat before. J.F.'s on first base, Otani at the plate. There was a pickoff attempt, and the ball hit the umpire. And honestly, the, the broadcast booth was saying it. Upton might have got to third on that play. Yeah. Upton had a, you know, he's not leading off big. Not uh, the best speed, but you can They get tried the, yeah. to pick him off multiple times. It's like, where do you think Upton's going? You think he's taking off? But hey, it, hey, he's he's Ricky Henderson now, bad in leadoff. So. Yeah, ap- apparently. That's what, they, that's what they think, at least. And anyways, the pickoff goes way to the right of the first baseman. It would have been down the line in a big way. It had to be filled by the right fielder. But instead, it hits the umpire in the chest, and Upton has to scramble back to first. 
We're talking about it could have been no outs, guy in scoring position for Otani. Instead, Upton stuck at first. And I thought that was the kind of bad luck moment in a game that's already been all about our bad luck. Yeah. I was like, oh, we're so screwed. Like, this game's over. Like, nothing's going our way. And this is against the Diamondbacks, who are like one of the worst teams in baseball of the last month or so, one of the worst records. And so I'm just saying, okay, this is the same thing as the Fletch was safe game. We thought we had this series in the bag. We were hot at the right time. And we're going to blow it against the worst teams. And it's going to come to screw us. Yeah, no, it's it's really funny how against the worst teams we find ourselves paying the most attention to when it comes to the Orioles series, when it comes to the Diamondbacks, because we're getting hot. We're on, we're on a winning streak. We're looking good. And then this is what happens. The umpires kind of fail us or something just stupid happens. And, and maybe we're just, maybe we're just diehard fans making excuses, right? You know, who knows? But, but Travis, it really does feel like we were on the verge of getting robbed. No, yeah, most definitely, game. most definitely. And Otani clutches up, freaking rips one into the right, right center gap. Upton scores from first anyways. So I was like, okay, that was big time. Yeah. We needed yeah. that. So Upton gets him in anyways. And then uh, I believe Otani gets, ends up getting stranded at third later in that inning, yeah. um, unfortunately. But we got one on the board. Yeah. And that was big. Yeah. And then late in the game, it actually, it gets down to a one strike away from a save for Iglesias, Travis. Do you remember what happens? I believe you got, I believe you got a notification on your phone I that did, you weren't yeah. expecting. I did, yeah. What happened there? Game tying home run. Yeah, and and that that's just not that was okay. Another nail in the coffin. Like we got our one run lead. Iglesias has been electric lately. Travis, I may have jinxed it. I was predicting an immaculate inning. He threw three straight strikes to get the first batter. Three straight strikes to get the second batter, and then up came uh, I believe it was Eduardo Escobar. Eduardo Escobar. That's correct. First pitch strike, and I was watching with my friend Jacob, and I was like Jacob. Do you know what an immaculate inning is? I need to explain to you what could happen right now. There's, if he does the next pitches for strikes and gets a strikeout, it's historic. He saves the game with an immaculate ninth. It's going to be crazy. Next pitch was a ball. Oh, did I just jinx this? Another ball. Eventually, hangs a slider. Home run. Tie game. Extra innings. And I just say, oh, we just completely blew. We just completely blew it. And this is going to be, you know, the Fletch was safe game. We're getting cursed again. And somehow, Travis, we put together a 10th inning rally. Uh, Ryan Buchter was the pitcher. He was actually an angel last year. And he may have somehow saved our 2021 season, in my opinion. Walsh was placed on second on initial placement. Uh, Iglesias strikes out. Jared Walsh to third on a balk. I don't know what was up with the umps uh, that on Friday, but they're calling box at a crazy rate. Uh... Taylor Ward was hit by a pitch, so now we have first and third. A double play would end the inning. I was getting kind of nervous with Kurt Suzuki up to bat. I was like, Kurt, if you ground out right now, we are so screwed. We're losing this game. He actually gets hit by the pitch and has to be removed from the game, which was, you know, unfortunate. You know, What we needed. <laughs> Travis, it's someone we want to see out of the lineup. We never want to see an injury to one of our players, but really getting him out of the out of that scenario was something. <laughs> it was a break that went the way for the Angels winning, without a doubt. Then Stassi comes in to pinch hit. Hard ground to the right with the bases loaded. Only play was at first. The run does score. And uh, interestingly enough, Canning went in to pinch run for Suzuki, which is just kind of a funny turn of events. Uh, Fletcher walks uh, walks and then Upton lines out. Upton hit actually a shot, and I believe Escobar like did some crazy leaping catch for it. And uh, we had the one run, we had the one run uh, lead, and we took care of business in the bottom of the tenth. I really do think we broke the curse 
of the Fletch was safe game. I think this would be the Otani did not balk game. And we somehow clutched it out. And Travis, to me, I feel validated in that theory because we went on to get the sweep. Yes. We swept the yeah. Diamondbacks. And, and, and I do that. We had a comeback win on Saturday. Yeah. So it, it feels like the team, they didn't allow this series, you know, this rough Friday game to mess with their mojo. They still feel like the same hot team they were all week. And I think that this A's series this week is going to, you know, say a lot about our team. If we can take two of three from the A's, it's going to it's going to be two games gained in the AL West because, mm-hmm. you know, that well, essentially they're a competition. The Astros are going to be towards the top and so will the A's. So we need to swing at those big guys. And then obviously we have Detroit who that really needs to be. We got to take care of business there yep, yep. back in the big A. Um, so, Travis, I guess, you know, what do you think of this team? We're getting close to the All-Star break. Where do you see us going? Let's get our final thoughts on the Angels right yeah. now before this episode yeah, ends. Yeah, no, to wrap it up, I mean, yeah, you're right. Two of three from Oakland would be monumental. I think that'd be actually so huge. Honestly, one of three, if we just take one game and they take two, I'm not going to be too mad about that because I think that's very important. One thing I did look at, they have Montez and Irving. They're pretty much their two weakest pitchers starting in game two and three of that series. I think those could be two wins for the Angels. So game one could be very crucial. If we can take that win, wow, we are facing the two worst pitchers on their staff. We could possibly take two or if not sweep. And then Detroit Tigers come to town. That needs to be, I think, honestly, that needs to be three out of four wins or four out of four wins. I think we can get three out of four wins. Yeah. That would be huge going into pretty much the summer months. Yeah, I completely agree. I also feel good about our pitchers against Oakland. It's always nice when like some of the guys you trust line up against a team you need to really beat. I believe we have Bundy, Heaney, and Canning on the mound. Three guys who all have not been lights out dominant, but three guys who I do feel like, you know, we hand them the ball in the big game. They can probably put in some work. Um, you know, two or three would be so awesome against them. And Otani on Thursday is going to be so huge. Um, I think that, you know, <laughs> Otani working his magic against the Detroit Tigers. I feel bad for them. Uh, I, I really like our chances there. And then, Especially on re- reopening day. Yeah, it'll be reopening day for, for Anaheim, uh, you know, down in Orange County, finally getting the green light to have a max capacity. Um, you'll be at that game, I know. Uh, That's right. That yeah. should be, it should be a great, you know, get, you got to see some show time on a, on a Thursday. So, uh, yeah, I think we're in a great spot. Um, one thing we mentioned earlier, Travis, is that uh, right now Jose Quintana is actually out of the lineup, out of the out of the rotation essentially because yeah. he's been on the injured list. And I don't know if there's a spot for him to come back because right now Sandoval has really stepped up in his, in his last two spots. He's earned his keep. Um, putting him back in the bullpen could really be a really big blow for him. That would suck to see. Um, I really don't want to go back to a seven-man rotation unless we really need Otani to rest or something like that. But... Uh, I think right now, I feel really good about, you know, we're looking at Heaney, Bundy, Canning against Oakland, and then we're probably going to see Otani, and at some point probably see Sandoval and Cobb um, against Detroit, and then that fourth game might be Bundy again, might be Heaney again, I'm not exactly sure. But um, essentially, I think I like the way our rotation looks right now. It's performing like we thought it could, uh, where at the beginning was a rocky start. And the bats are great. So yep, um, yep. a lot to be excited about, right, Travis? Lots to be excited about. And I'm really excited for next week's podcast. Well, yeah. Looking we'll, at what we have to come. Yeah, it, it will be this, we'll be kind of reevaluating how this A's series went, how this Tigers series went. Hopefully we're as happy then as we are right now. Um, and hopefully we'll have a lot more to talk about, you know, of where baseball is, uh, you know, more than halfway through June. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we appreciate all your support. And uh Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Uh, Catch you guys next time.
presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>